How do you face opposition? Here's this advice from Pastor Xavier Reese on today's Simple Truths. People will despise you and myself and try to intimidate us for our commitment to the work of God, but we must be strong in Christ. Remember, there's no armor on your back, only in the front. Don't run and turn your back to the enemy. You have to face him. Very, very important. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's been said that 10% of the people in church do 90% of the work. Well, unfortunately, that's never been part of God's plan. Today, Pastor Xavier shares some practical principles for serving, which are biblical and effective. Let's join him for today's study from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 2 Verses 11 through 20, and the title of the message is A Call to Work. Now, the scriptures are clear as to our call to work. It is no mystery or secret. We are to be diligent to follow every good work, 1 Timothy 5.10 says. We are to set ourselves apart for every good work, 2 Timothy 2.21 says. We are made complete and mature in every good work, Hebrews 13, 21 says. And we will be rewarded by God according to our works, Revelation 22, 12. Now, Nehemiah's call to work is characterized by three things. First, a careful consideration of the task, verses 11 through 16. Secondly, a clear communication to the people, verse 17 and 18. And thirdly, a confident confrontation of opposition, verses 19 and 20. Notice first in verse 11 that Nehemiah was not a man in a hurry. Too often men rush into the work of God and the people are put under great pressure. The people need a rest from the journey. They had been traveling a long ways. The servant Nehemiah had to wait on God. And sometimes people get so keyed up and they, they, they think that God's leading them and they just run off into something without thinking it through and waiting on God or anything else, but they just want to run. Notice secondly in verses 12 through 15, Nehemiah viewed and assessed the work to be done. Oh, so important. Did not Jesus say regarding his disciples? For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? A call to work is characterized by a careful consideration of the task, first of all. A careful consideration of the task. Secondly, a call to work is characterized a clear communication to the people. A clear communication to the people. Verse 17 and 18. Notice first in verse 17, Nehemiah proclaims the obvious need. Then I said to them, you 
see this distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. The condition of the people in distress. Clear communication. The condition of the city, Jerusalem, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. The walls represent protection. The gates represent authority. The judges and the elders sat there. They could not now. That wasn't. They were open to destruction by the enemy. And then thirdly, the call to work, come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. He clearly points out these things and then he gives the call. Nehemiah proclaims it was God's work. He says, by the good hand of God upon me. Remember chapter 1, verse 11? Oh Lord, I pray, please, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was a king's cup bearer. He's talking about Artaxerxes. He had prayed that God would move upon him. God did. God gave him everything. And he reminds him now, God's good hand upon me. So important. And secondly, it says, by the king's favor of him, evidence of God's answers to prayer and mercy. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 8. He gave him all the provisions. And so it is so important that we as leaders point to God's provisions, God's answer, God's guidance, so that we can have all our eyes on the Lord. And we can say, this is the work of God, not of any man. Yet he uses his people, does he not? But we can clearly see the hand of God. You know, in the book of um, Esther, one of the objections is that they say, some people say it's not one of the inspired books because God is not mentioned or even implied prayer or anything directly. But if there's any one book whose hand uh, can be seen clearly, it is God's hand behind the scenes. <laughs> And we have to be able to have eyes to see that and to remind the people, hey, this is God. So important. Secondly, notice their preparation was tangible. They set their hands to do this good work. Now, the first step is good, the proclamation. Let us rise up and build. But sometimes that's all the people do. Oh, yeah, let's do it. But they never move on to step two. They set their hands to do this good work, the practical aspect. They never follow through. They just get excited. The word set means to strengthen, to make firm their commitment. The word is used 12 times in the book of Exodus to describe the condition of Pharaoh's heart against God. He set his heart against God 12 times. This is the word. Now, this is the word on the positive side. They set their heart to do the work that God wanted. You know what's lacking in the people of God today? They haven't set their heart to do the work of God. We're too busy about our own business and not the work of God. Notice, thirdly, their unity 
Their common vision and purpose was a result of clear communication to the people. And it is evident in the next chapter, chapter 3, as they divide up the work. The work is dispersed, so no one's put out. Everybody's doing their share. Isn't that the picture of what we said about what the church is? Every member doing its share, and it receives the full potential of that which is going on. It's very important. A leader and those in position of leading others must so often point out the obvious needs to people and then call them to the work. And that's why God anoints leaders. And that's why God gathers his people. Different calls, different gifts. That's all it is. A leader needs to tell the people that it is the work of God, not his. And then verify the work that it is of God by the direction, the provisions, and by what's happening. People should be able to look at what's going on and be able to see that it has to be God. One of the difficulties and the dangers of striving to attain is that if you do attain through striving, you also have to continue to strive to maintain what you have obtained. And that gets awfully tiresome. And that's why a lot of time in churches, when they're trying to uh, excite the people through some program, once that's over, they've got to come up with a better one. Or this week they're, they're, they're barking in the spirit. Next week they've got to beat it. They've got to come up with something else. And you're constantly striving. It's not the work of the Spirit. God has to do the work. Believe me, I sleep like a baby at night. I have never lost one night of sleep when it comes to the ministry. God knows and bears me witness. Now, I've lost sleep aboard my own life over decisions I've made, but I've never lost sleep over the ministry. Financial provision, it's God's church, and that's his responsibility, not mine. And we have a good agreement. He says, X, you teach, and I'll take care of the rest. I said, okay, Lord. And so that's what I do. I give myself to teaching, to prayer, and discipling men, and overseeing the ministry, and he does the rest. It's worked out great. I have no complaints. <laughs> and so like they say, if it works, why fix it, right? Let him do it. A leader has the privilege of seeing the response of the people affirming that it is a work of God. If God's really working, then the people get excited, not emotionally, but a true excitement of the Spirit, and they get visionary. And they put some leather to what is going on. And the pastor is the first to witness that this is truly a work of God. I was just totally blown away. As I, what I thought began just with an, an idea of mine. Sitting out in those steps when it was just a grass area. And I said, well, we could drop a gym here. Here I go. We could do it. And I'm just sitting there. I had no idea it was God working in my heart and mind. Didn't even think about it. And so I took the tape. I started measuring, talking, you know. And then it, God was directing and guiding. And then I started thinking. I said, Lord, 
You know, if you're in it, great. If it's just me, let it go. And so we prayed, and then I shared it with you. And then we just let the Lord do it. And you know what's neat? I got blown away because by the time we got done, that gym was paid cash. And nobody was pressured. Nobody was bummed out. Nobody was burned out. And I said, Lord, it was you. You know how necessary that is for me to know? You know how necessary that is for you to know as a body? That's important. That's exciting. A call to work is characterized by a clear communication to the people. Third and last, a call to work is characterized by a confident confrontation of opposition. And listen, if you're committed to the Lord, there will be oppositions every day of your life. We find this in verses 19 and 20. First notice in verse 19, Nehemiah's enemies despised the Jews for their commitment to the work. But when Sambalat the Hornite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Gershom the Arab heard of it, they laughed us to scorn and despise us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? They first became deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Back in chapter 2, verse 10. When Sambalat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite officials heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. That was their first reaction. They were deeply disturbed because all of a sudden, a man was sent and anointed by God and he had vision. See, as long as there's no leadership, Satan doesn't mind. All the people can get together all they want. He knows if there's no leadership, nothing's going to get accomplished. It's very simple. But you have a man step up and say, follow me. Whoa. You've got warfare now. Now here, they laughed at them. And they come to despise them in their attempt to intimidate them. In verse 19. First they're deeply disturbed. Now, they're trying to intimidate them. Why? Because they see that they mean business. They mock them regarding their belief that it was a work of God. I remember when we first were born again, we were all just young. I was 23, Raw was 25, and all the rest were just teenagers. And here we are, we're having church in a kung fu studio, and, you know, people... You know, what are these guys doing church? And, you know, we have concerts out in the parking lot. And, and then we, we go out to the parks and we go out to the high schools. And then all of a sudden, me and Raul are looking at this building, the Safeway over there on Pueni and Sunset. And um, it's 20,000 square feet and they want 277,000. Uh, that's back in 1977. That was a lot of money. Uh, today, a house cost that. That was a building. And, and we had uh, $50 in the bank. And so we called a realtor, and we said, well, we're interested. Uh, she goes, well, can you put a deposit down? I said, sure, we'll give you $50. <laughs> and she goes, okay. And, and we had some time to get some money up. And I'm sure the people said, these guys are crazy. 
the day that the rest of the deposit had to be in, I forget, $1,500, I think, just to secure it. There was that much money in the agape box. We got in that building. God built the building. People want to intimidate you. Hey, if it's the work of God, let me tell you, no one can stop it. No one. What is this thing that you are doing? <laughs> you guys don't have any education. You don't have no business training. You guys are falling your face. Secondly, regarding their intent to rebel against the king, Artaxerxes. Will you rebel against the king? Ooh, that's real intimidation. The king's the one in authority. He has the power to seize the work. Notice secondly in verse 20, Nehemiah's declaration of rebuke to his enemies. See, you have to do so. What are you going to do when you, get, when you hear this? How are you going to respond? And so Nehemiah's declaration of rebuke to his enemies here in verse 20. Listen to him. He says, So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Notice first, by affirming that it was a work of God. First, by affirming that it was a work of God. You do not let anybody bring doubt in your heart or mind as to what God has revealed and guided. You remind yourself of God's faithfulness and what he has revealed. The God of heaven himself will prosper us. He points them to God. It's not us. The servants of God will arise and build. It's not us. It's God. But he's going to work through us. That's exciting. See? Now we're practical, right? There's the twofold aspect. Notice also there, by condemning their work of opposition and involvement. First, regarding their past. But you have no heritage. You guys are not the people of God. You, 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 in the past, you're, you've been enemies. You have no part of this work. Secondly, regarding their present, you have no right. You will not be part of this work. And thirdly, regarding their future, you have no memorial in Jerusalem. I love it. Past, present, future. You guys are enemies. God's not looking non-believers to support his work. Then why is it that Christians beg for money from non-believers? Shame on us. And we give the world a picture that God is broke. Nothing can be further from the truth. He owns the cattle on every hill. Gold? He could have made this whole planet gold. He could speak it into existence. Let me give you two verses. In 1 Timothy 6.20, Paul the Apostle says to Timothy, he's closing the epistle, O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. He's speaking about the gospel here. Avoiding the profane and vain babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be to you. Amen. Guard what has been committed to you. Now, the context of Timothy is the gospel. 
But you guard what God has committed to you. Has he committed a ministry to you? Then you guard it. Don't let anybody bring doubt to your mind. You minister. You work for the Lord. The second scripture is in 2 Timothy 1 over. Chapter 2, verse 24 through 26. He says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. And so we're gentle, we're patient, but when opposition comes, we draw that line, right? We continue to pray for them that God would save them, but we don't back down. Absolutely not. You want to fight? Let's go for it. No problem. Days immediately after Dunkirk was darkest for the modern world, in supreme disaster all seemed irrevocably lost and the invasion of England loomed imminent. England lay prostrate. Forty-seven warships had been sunk in the operation off Norway after Dunkirk. When the British destroyers were in the shipyards for repairs while the Royal Air Force had lost 40% of its bomber strength, Britain was on the brink of famine and her armies were without arms and equipment. They had left in France 50,000 vehicles. Churchill spoke for he defenseless for the defenseless island. Quote, we shall defend our island whatever the cost may be. And we shall fight in the beaches. We shall fight in the fields. We shall fight in the streets. We shall fight in the hill. We shall never surrender. And if this island were subjugated and starving, our empire on the seas would carry on the struggle until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and liberation of the old. How much more for the kingdom of God? How much more? People will despise you and myself and try to intimidate us for our commitment to the work of God, but we must be strong in Christ. Absolutely. It is a good fight. The believer must always rebuke opposition by affirming that it is a work of God by the past guidance, the present provisions, and confront the work of opposition. Absolutely. Remember, there's no armor on your back, only in the front. Don't run and turn your back to the enemy. You have to face him. Very, very important. And so a call to work is characterized by a confident confrontation of opposition. Hmm. Incredible. The lessons that are in the scriptures for us in Nehemiah. The call to work is characterized by a careful consideration of the task, a clear communication to the people, and a confident confrontation of opposition. Are you called to the work? 
If you're a Christian, you are. Have you responded to the work? Then if you are, then you have a careful consideration of the task. You are listening to clear communication, spoken to the people, and you are confident in your confrontation of opposition. Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of having confidence in your calling. By the way, you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Now, if you'd like a copy of today's Simple Truths Bible Study, mention today's date or the title, A Call to Work, when you get in touch. It's only $4 for a CD, and this will also include what we heard the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is A Call to Work, or simply mention today's date. Now, you can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and mention the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This way we can track this outreach in your area. We're called to run the race, not enjoy the view. Learn more when you tune in to the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 